All right, welcome to Evan the Counselor Live. I'm Evan the Counselor. We have a great show for you today, as always. So for this one, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard uh, making a podcast. Uh, Today we have Haley. Haley is your psych pharmacist on TikTok and on Instagram as well. Um, Actually, I think she has something uh, keto related, but we'll talk about that later. Her Instagram was initially keto related, but then she realized people were very interested in the work she does, which is a pharmacist, but she works in mental health on a mental health unit and specializes in mental health medication. So when I came across her profile, I was pretty blown away because she goes really in depth into all the psych meds and uh, I really have learned a ton from her, so I'm a I'm a fan. And I came across her, and the I thought you all would be as interested as I was. So that's kind of how I pick my guests. I find them, and I'm like, damn, that's interesting. I think you all will find her interesting, and also hilarious. Um, she is quirky as hell. Uh, we had about like an hour of technical difficulties before this, uh, you know, almost to the point where it was like cosmically wrong um, like every possible thing went wrong and we were just cracking up and uh and it continued into the actual recording so uh, I, I was pretty much fighting back laughter the whole time and just because she is so damn funny so i think you'll really enjoy this conversation so without further ado here's Haley, your psych pharmacist all right welcome to evan the counselor live i'm evan the counselor I am super excited about our guest today. Her name is Haley. She is your psych pharmacist. That's right. Your psych pharmacist. Haley, what's going yeah. on? How are you? Hey, Evan. I'm really good. Um, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. We've been, uh, for those of you who just joined, we uh, have been having like technical issues for an hour and hilarity has ensued. So this has been... <laughs> Her, her webcam is just going in and out it's absolutely hilarious um so see how this looks on youtube so anyway i came across Haley on tiktok one day i was sitting there minding my own business and uh i see this person come on and it's your psych pharmacist i'm like what is a psych pharmacist i'm like well i know what a pharmacist is and Haley, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to accept it, the in and out. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, for those of you who are just listening on podcasts, her webcam is like zooming far out and then in, and it's pretty damn funny. Um, so we're going to try to ignore it and not laugh as much as we can. It's like tracking me or something. It is tracking you. It's like, it's really. But, it's, but I'm not even stuff. moving. You're I'm not even moving. Yeah, it's like alien versus predator or something. It's like honing in on you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so anyways, you found anyways, me on TikTok. I, anyways, I showed up on your FYP. I'm sitting there, right? Minding my own business. Here comes Haley on the FYP. And I'm like, you're a psych pharmacist. I'm like, that is so cool. And I started watching your videos. I'm like, this is like the 500 level class of medication I'm like, oh my God, I have to like pay attention here. This is like some deep bio stuff, but I was absolutely like blown away. I thought it was so cool what you were doing. And clearly, you know, you're starting to build up a following and you know, your videos are doing awesome and people are really engaging with them. 
So yeah, I'm I'm super excited to have you on and hear more about you and and be able to pick your brain a little bit. Thanks, Evan. Um, that's yeah, that's really cool. That's kind of how I kind of just showed up out of nowhere. I made a video about uh, bupropion, and like, people really liked it. Yeah, the well, yeah, the well butrin, huh? People, yeah, fans <laughs> out there. We'll do that. So we're we're live on TikTok as per usual. And so people are already starting to throw out some medication-related questions. So for those of you just joining, if you have any questions related to psych meds, you know, she's not going to answer any anything too personal, but we'll just talk general like we always do. Um, so yeah, if you all have any questions, throw them out. Someone's already saying they hate their Wellbutrin. Um, wow. <laughs> it's, it's a very controversial medic. It's like a love or hate, you know, with Wellbutrin. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's either you love it or you like it works or it doesn't, you know, and like all segments, okay. right. They kind of, they work or they don't. And that's what like so many people ask me about them. And I tell people like, look, I know more about meds than your average human as I, sh as I responsibly should. Um, yeah. but, you know, people have med questions all the time and, you know, I think I, I'm just going to keep sending them over to you. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, people, you know, when people ask these questions, they'll, they'll, say like, oh, I hate this med or this med is terrible. I'm like, look, no med is really good, bad, terrible. Just, you know, human beings, we're so, our makeups are so unique in many ways, especially our brains or our chemistry. It's, everyone's different. And for the same reasons why we have different mental health disorders, different personalities, you know, obviously we're all humans, but there's still a lot of variation and everyone reacts to meds differently. So it's, it's hard, you know, people want to, you know, want me to be like, oh yeah, um, Motrogene sucks, you know, and but it yeah. doesn't really work like that. Yeah, there's no one size fits all. So if something works for you, you know, that's great. And it might not work for somebody else the same way. Um, but that's why there's so many. We have so many options, you know, to try again. Yeah, you know, and it's like for a psychiatrist, nurse practitioner, another med provider, I tell clients, you know, when I'm when I'm recommending them do meds, like they're, they're kind of shooting in the dark. Um, I mean, there are some technologies, new ways, um, you know, we'll talk about that maybe a little later on, like gene site testing of ways that med providers can get a little bit more of a precise um, idea. I mean, not precise, but they just get a better idea of what may work well versus them just you know, I know a lot of med providers are like, oh, you know, generally I start people on this med, but like what other tools do they have? Like what works for your mom? You know, that's really all they have. And it's kind of, it's trial or error. And I, I think unfortunately with that trial or error, I mean, we're tampering with folks' brain chemistry and sometimes it works well and sometimes it doesn't. And the times it doesn't, whether there's side effects, it doesn't work or they end up in the hospital or something you know, then they get turned off from meds and they're not really willing to try other options. So true. So true. It happens all the time, especially with uh, doctors who have like their favorite type of like their favorite meds to use, you know, so it may not be the best for everybody, you know, for sure. Well, <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're one of the few people that could put checks on doctors. So I'm really I'm really interested to hear more and we'll talk about this a little later as well about, you know, being a pharmacist. And so why don't we just start here? Like, who are you and what, what is it that you, what's your, what's your day job outside of 
the content you create? I am a pharmacist. I work in a like inpatient psych hospital, like behavioral health. Um, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> um, so that's interesting because I've worked in psych hospitals and behavioral health. And I don't, yeah. I don't know if they've ever really had their own pharmacy. You know, it's like the hospital pharmacy. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's, yeah. But we're like only um, psych. Like we're like only psych. Like pretty much, you know what I mean? Like we don't have like, um, I mean, we have like a PICU and geriatrics, but sure. it's not like a general, like university hospital. Oh, okay. Oh, it's just for awesome. like acute, like it's for somebody who has like, a, who's acutely like psychotic. And then, sure. you know, we stabilize them and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, send them home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for yeah. behavioral health and for those who don't know much about, it, I mean, a lot of folks here maybe have been to a psych unit, but it's, you know, when, when it's a locked inpatient psych unit, it's all about stabilization and you're usually not there for too long, you know, especially right. when you're taking someone's rights away. Um, you're in a locked unit, you know, it's all about kind of triage and referral. Yeah. So, yeah. So like an average day is like, three to five days um and i don't know if anybody's rights are taken though <laughs> um you know everything is, it, is, is it a locked unit a lot yeah like, is the uh, locked? yeah yeah <laughs> so some rights are taken you can't just walk out the door head to mcdonald's and come back <laughs> yeah that's true that's true but then the, there's like methods for like if you really want to go home and stuff <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, I mean, you do obviously have rights, but you know, it is, it's a big deal is what I'm trying to say, you know, when, you know, especially when I try to get folks admitted, maybe who are having like psychosis or anything else, like, you know, it's hard for folks because, um, you know, well, for one, it's not always easy to get someone admitted. They have to meet some pretty stringent criteria um, in order because they are, you know, because you are essentially getting some of your rights taken away you know, when you're on that 72 hour hold, I mean, most people, when they come in, they're on a 72 hour hold and they could request to leave, but that is up to the doctor. It's not on their own volition. Right? Yeah. So true. So true. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true, but, uh, it's all good. Like, um, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus it's hard to get her in bed nowadays. So there's like, like if you go to the ER, you know, you could be waiting in the ER until there's a bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, right now, so are you finding that right now and in, in, at your workplace at the locked unit that like since COVID, it's been much more difficult to get a bed and, you know, folks, even just to get therapy, they're finding it's much harder. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then that causes some frustration, you know, uh, which is, you know, I don't blame anybody, you know. Yeah. Because then you could yeah. be in an ER for too long. For sure. Um, so that's where you work. You're in a behavioral health unit. Um, okay, so all right, here's what I know. Let's let's hear about Haley. Who's Haley growing up? How did you how did you get to where you're at? Um you intrigued I, I, I know everything. I, I, <laughs> 
I, uh, uh, I'm 28. So yeah, I'm 28. Um, I did my undergrad in biochem, biochem chemistry with a concentration in biochemistry, whatever that is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, know. <laughs> yeah this is, you know, it was a concentration. Okay. <laughs> um, and I wanted to go into health, like, uh, you know, medicine, but I didn't want to be a nurse. My mom's a nurse. So, uh, I didn't want to do that. And then I didn't want to be, I didn't want to go to school for a long, 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 long time. So I didn't opt to be like a uh, medical doctor. So that's why I went to pharmacy school. For sure. Did you know anyone who was a pharmacist? No, no. I was I was never even a tech either. I was never like a pharmacy tech. For sure. You just jumped right in. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just jumped right in. I was just like, you know, um, and I always wanted to do hospital. So uh yeah, I worked in school, like when I was like, I wasn't like, you know, I worked while going to pharmacy school, but I worked in the ER. So I was like an ER, but I wasn't really a tech. I just did like med histories in a, yeah. in a separate hospital. For sure. And so, you know, on TikTok and maybe other handles, you're, you're, you're our psych pharmacist. And again, that's what, you know, super interesting. You know, I've been in the field for a while. I mean, I have all sorts of different roles and administration. And I'm like, I've never heard of someone, a pharmacist, you know, specialize in psych. So how did that come about? Was it just the, the job you happened to get at that hospital? And then that piqued your interest? Did you have an interest in that before? Um, I was a student. I had a rotation at my hospital and then um, they kept me. <laughs> I really liked it there. It was my favorite rotation. So I was interested in it. Yeah. So that piqued your interest in mental health then? Yeah. Yeah. I was the only student too. So I was the only student. Very yeah. Cool. They had, and then, um, they liked me. So for some reason, like weird. <laughs> Strange. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that's how, but as for like beforehand, uh, mental health, honestly, not, I wasn't like focused on it completely but um you know like I always wanted to do a hospital so that's how that kind of happened it kind of just like happened it literally just like happened yeah you just fell into it a lot of people yeah. fall into it and you know I know you maybe wouldn't have guessed five years before that you'd be where you're at or interested in what you're interested in Right, right. But I love this job. It's the best job in the world. So, um, and I never, ever want to leave ever. Really? It's a good, yeah, ever, never, ever want to leave. <laughs> oh, awesome. I wonder what that feels like. I mean, I'm so all over, like, I can't do the same thing for more than like a little bit before I'm like, all right, what next? But you're like, this yeah. is, this is what I want. You found it. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, forever. I mean, I do a lot of other things at work too. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, if you haven't heard of like a psych pharmacist, uh, you might not heard of informatics. I do informatics too. What is that? So it it's like I basically code. So I I can code. I like use like a SQL database and I make um like our system that like you know our like EHR because our hospital isn't that. Uh, I'm sorry, it's just a zooming in thing. I'm used our to hospital that. Was, isn't. I'm laughing on the inside with that one. Yeah. <laughs> 
our hospital, uh, you know, we don't have like epic, like the nicest stuff. So we have like what we have and it's not bad. I mean, but um, yeah, that's what I do. I like code that system. So you're, um, so you're not only a pharmacist, but you're like doing coding for them. You're like a, yeah. you're like a computer <laughs> engineer. We, I kind of do it at the same time. Like, yeah. So it's like, I'm never doing the same thing every day. Like there's always, I'm always doing something. Well, I mean, did you know you'd be doing that going in there? Like job description, pharmacist, computer engineer, software engineer. Um, That kind of just happened too. So like, actually it like happened through. So like last year around this time, our hospital system got like majorly hacked, but it wasn't just our hospital. It was um, it was like our like you know big hospitals like 400 hospitals that got like hacked and lost computers for a month and then um, like a full month. But in two weeks uh, we were able to get some computer function back and then that's how I like started doing informatics because like in those two weeks you know I got something set up and then um, and yeah and it was like oh wow. <laughs> And then it just became part of my, you know, daily responsibilities. That was really stressful. I'll never forget that. And it was last year around this time. I remember it was September 28th of last year. It was very stressful. Uh, was it like a ransomware attack? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, Did your hospital it was, it was, pay the ransom for all the... No, we didn't pay the ransom. None of the hospitals did because if you paid the ransom it shows to other like hackers that you pay the ransom, you know, so you'll get hacked again. So did you just lose all the data? No, we actually didn't. Some, some, not my hospital, but I know um, one hospital did, but not mine. Uh, I know at least one like lost a lot of stuff, but um, we didn't. Fun. We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's what else I do too. So I don't only do the psych part, I also do the informatic part. <laughs> okay. So very cool. Okay, so the big question, I've never, and I feel like not many people know this, what does a pharmacist do? What is what is a pharmacist? Because I think there's um, like kind of misconceptions like where you guys just like fill meds. It's like doctor prescribes, then yeah. you take them, put them in bottles. But I mean, you do a lot of training I mean, yeah. it's, they don't just give away pharmacy degrees. Like, so what, what does a pharmacist do? And I guess, what is the training that uh, brought you to that? Well, uh, yeah, you're right. We do a lot. Um, so I feel like I don't put pills in bottles at all. Like zero, you know, the techs do that. Um, okay. We basically just like, we feel like we're like the center of the team. Like, okay, like, like, for example, you know, we work with psychiatrists, you know, physicians, and especially in like a hospital, like, you know, every patient has a psychiatrist, so that focuses on the mental health, and then they have a medical doctor that focuses on like, you know, so they have diabetes, sure. um, hypertension, and they do their meds, and the psychiatrist does their meds, and we're kind of the one in between that make sure, you know, those, you know, meds are good to go, you know, they're good to go, um, you know, we kind of are like the connection between those two, you know, uh, specialties. Um, we titrate everything. So we're the ones that, you know, titrate all the meds up or down. Um, we recommend those kind of titrations. 
So okay, in so a hospital, use use a resource if they're like, hey, I want this person to start coming off. You'll prescribe almost the the schedule. Is that? Um. Well, we'll talk. We we don't really prescribe, but like we'll uh, the the doctor will ask us like you know how what's the best way we can you know taper off this med, taper off this med. Um, and then we'll like like yeah, that's what we'll do. Like we'll taper them up slow or down. Um, sometimes, you know, we dose certain things like antibiotics and anticoagulants. Those are basically what we do. Catch, yeah, catch a lot of drug interactions, you know, make sure those are okay. We monitor. So your job um, is to know, you got to know these drugs inside and out and how they affect the body and what's like best practices. There's so many meds and it's probably hard to know that, you know, if you're a doctor, like, you know, they're training, you know, they have all sorts of training, you know, as far as biology, you know, all sorts of medicine, you know, because even a psychiatrist, probably primarily what they're learning is just like, you know, what all doctors learn, and then you do a specialty, but it seems like all your training is all centered on medications and how they affect the body. Well, that's kind of funny you say that, because I feel like in pharmacy school, it's like <laughs> pharmacy school is very bougie. Like, for example, yeah, like they like to pretend. So pharmacy school is a professional school. So it's a professional school, which means that you have to do a million different things. So like in school, they basically act like pharmacists are the only healthcare providers that exist. And they'll make you do like these round robins or that's what I always call them, but they're like called sim centers or like simulations, but it's where you have to do every single thing that all the other healthcare, like Grey's Anatomy, you know, how like in Grey's Anatomy, you know, there's the doctor and he does everything, Yeah. but that's not really how it is. Yeah. That's what they would make us do. So they did teach us, you know, they teach us what everybody does. You know, like nurses, we had to program IVs, we had to write soap notes like medical doctors, but I've never written a soap note in my life. (laughs) Someone actually, someone popped on our live stream here and they said they're a pharmacist that she or they said, My job, corporate advisor for regulatory affairs. I don't know, maybe it's for them specifically, or that's another kind of role that people fall into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like that's a like a it was like a industry, like, you know, you go into the industry, it's like a fellowship route. You become a fellow at like any kind of like um, drug company or like a uh, advertising thing. So it's like a, you know, like a drug development company. And they are, what were they again? Said, um, well, then they said it in a PBM, what does that mean? Oh, a pharmacy benefit manager. That's cool. Um, that's, cool. that's a cool job. Yeah, I bet that's a nice job. I bet that's it's like a nice office job. So those pharmacy benefit managers, they kind of have to do with insurance a little bit, and they, okay. you know, yeah. Some people don't like PBMs, but um, as for the job, it's a nice job. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like yeah, as, they could work for insurance companies and. It's like they're working, right, right. Man, right? Yeah, nurses do, doctors do, I'm sure. Um, yeah, for sure they have all that. Yeah. That's super. And so yeah. as a pharmacist, you go into pharmacy, so there's other things you could do than just be a pharmacist working at Walgreens or a hospital. Yeah, yeah. You can do a lot of different stuff. So you could do, you know, 
you could go and do R&D, like research and development. You could go into the insurance route. You could go into drug development. And I know this one guy at my work who does commercials. So he does like, he makes sure those like drug commercials follow the laws. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet that's a cool job. Like the, it's like the guy who's like formerly in the mob and he like, they hire him to be on a mob movie to make sure it's accurate. Yeah, like, you know, when they're like dancing in the forest and they're like, this may cause, you know, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and then he's like golfing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay, that's cool. So how how many years of school is, like, if someone wanted to be a pharmacist, what do they have to do? It's usually like four years undergrad, four years of school. But some schools are like, some schools are, um, they're like dual. So you go two years undergrad, four years of school, uh, four years of grad school. So two years undergrad, four years of grad school. And it's like a dual acceptance. So it could go anywhere between like six and eight years. And then there's postgraduate. So then you could do postgraduate stuff like fellowships or residencies. Those usually last one to two years. So it could be a, it could be a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, they just don't give those away. Is it is it considered a master's level, a doctor? It's just like its own thing, like being a lawyer or something. It's like it's a doctor of pharmacy. So you're um yeah, so you're a doctor of pharmacy, but you're not a medical doctor. So um is it a PhD yeah. or it's its own like letters? It's not a PhD, it's um it's a farm D, but I yeah, it's a yeah, so I guess that's different. Yeah. yeah. Like um a lawyer. I don't know what a lawyer is. <laughs> But yeah, it's not a PhD. It's it's not a medical doctor, but we're still doctors. And um, yeah, yeah. So we're still doctors. Uh, We have that, you know, doctor in front of our name. So when you when you make like reservations at a restaurant, do you say Dr. Haley? No, but it's funny because I like to I've actually. I would want, I'm sorry. That's the only reason why I'd want to get my doctorate so I can make reservations. So actually, I got to find it, but um, actually, I like to play ping pong, like weirdly. Because actually, we, me and my my various friends in school, we, we would play ping pong during all-nighters. And I joined a like ping pong, like Team USA, you know, Team USA um, for like to be ranked as a like a player. Like yeah, and I, huh? Like professional ping pong? Uh, I don't know if it's, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, perf- I don't, I mean, I guess it's as professional as you want to make it, but um, like you could just do it casually and just, you know, go to competitions and get ranked. Okay. It's just a national ranking, basically. Yeah. And I joined it and then I got to find my little, because if you get a little card and in the mail, you know, so that you can go to these competitions. And I called myself Dr. Haley um, <laughs> just because I thought that would be really like ridiculous. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Haley, pharmacist, ping pong pro. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Prince. Prince loved ping pong. Your parents? Prince, the musical Prince. artist from Minnesota. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's a fun hobby. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, so that's how you become a pharmacist. Um, you know, so we talked about, yeah, I was wondering how you get utilized in the healthcare team. Um, let's see, 
so okay so that's being a pharmacist now how now whenever someone's on here who most everyone has a you know there's a content creator of some way how how did you get into getting on tiktok what was what prompted that um i started making keto videos so i was doing the keto diet i still am uh keto diet and yeah yeah, and then i was making videos and then uh mostly on instagram but also here on tiktok and then um and then i would like post uh little tiktoks that i made to my instagram stories and some people like liked them so i just that were more like about meds and more about like you know just my work and just working and stuff like that people liked them so then i moved i'm like you know, how would I just post some of these actually like, cause I would only post in my story. So it's like, you know, people like them. So I would I just post them for sure. Okay. Yeah. So you did that. And then you notice like, Hey, people are interested in this content and they kind and they kind of directed you to. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Like, um, yeah, that's what happened. So it was, it was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like posting more about like work and med stuff um, more than keto. And I love keto, but I like posting about um, you know meds and stuff because like, I feel like keto is like a very controversial diet. And for I had no idea like when I was when I started posting about it, I had no idea it was so controversial. So um, so yeah, so now I post more about meds, which are just you know these are just facts. You know this is how the med works. You know, this is the structure of the med and feel like it's, you know, it could be valid. It's some people like it, like the, some people find it valuable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I asked folks this too, you know, for, for myself, you know, starting to post and interacting with, you know, the general public, not just my clients, patients, whatever, you know, it, you know, I, I kind of, I learned a lot about you know, people and what they, what they want to learn about, what their questions, you know, you start to get some of the same questions, you get some of the same comments, feedback. It's like, what have you learned from creating content as far as, you know, people's perceptions or what do they want to know? Like, what are the more common questions you get about medications? And yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So the main thing I learned was about SSRI withdrawal. Um, so that's like the main thing I learned, which I was very shocked about. So, um, I had no idea that people had really bad withdrawals. They could have, you know, really bad withdrawals from them. And it just really peaked, you know, it's crazy because, um, in the hospital, you may show up, you know, with an acute, like depressive episode, but, you know, we could be, um, not seeing that, oh, they're actually withdrawing from an SSRI, you know what I'm saying, or SNRI, and I just, I had no idea it was so bad, and, um, well, for some people, not everyone has the withdrawal, but some people do, Um, and yeah, and it's just interesting to me, because in school, they did not teach us this, so it's like almost like a conspiracy, yeah, it's it's almost like a conspiracy, because they teach us that you could have withdrawal, but nothing like what I, not, nothing like the comments that I get about, uh, people's, uh, so that's why I think they're prescribed so much because the doctors, you know, doctors weren't 
like taught this either that the withdrawal is so bad and it's really downplayed in the literature. So the literature, um, yeah, the literature always says that there's, you know, oh, there's a mild chance to get withdrawal and it'll, you know, resolve in a few weeks. But yeah, but, but then on TikTok, I'm seeing that it's like way more. And these, like these meds were thought of as harmless, but I don't think, you know, that's accurate. Yeah. That's super interesting that they downplay because I noticed that as well. You know, we have some crossover and people ask me that with meds and, you know, I being an addiction specialist, you know, withdrawals part of the game, you know, with alcohol and benzos and, you know, it's very, no, I mean, it's a symptom of a use disorder, you know, folks who go into withdrawal, just one of the symptoms, but um, you know, so I've done some postings on that. And like one of the bigger postings I did was, um, I called it actually this funny, but it was like strange withdrawals. I called it right. So like yeah. things that you may not know that give you withdrawals. And one of them, you know, like coffee, Afrin, um, <laughs> yeah, like nose spray. And then one of them I did was Effexor, you know, and all of them do it, but I've always heard from people that they get just, and I may have learned this just from people on TikTok that they get like horrific, withdrawals from effects or like they call it brain zaps and I don't even know what the hell that means but everyone's like oh I get the brain zaps and like and some of the addiction clients have said it's just as bad as coming off other drugs yeah but the thing is like compared to addiction so like SSRIs are and SNRIs they're not really addictive as you know they're like but you still get that withdrawal like um and the the, the problem what was that dependence you may not be yeah 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 which is in the problem addiction but in and of itself like a lot of people let's say maybe they don't have that i don't even know how to like some people call it like psychological dependence you know addiction but i would almost call it like an emotional attachment in some ways right where it's like you're not like looking forward to taking your ssri because it's gonna have an immediate effect a pleasurable reward effect like other addictive substances, but you have that same level of dependence, you know, like you would an opiate. And that's what I've learned is like, if you take any substance, <laughs> yeah, oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> For those of you just tuning in the podcast, Haley's cat just came on the desk and the cat's butt is like right in her face. <laughs> she wants attention. Yeah, but um, so, but yeah, so with, you know, brain chemistry, when you're tampering with brain chemistry, but also even meds that are more physical, right? Your, our bodies adapt. And when you're on something for long enough, I think it's more common than not that you're going to have some withdrawal symptoms, or I'll just even refer to them as rebound effects. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Your brain chemistry does change. Um, you know, receptors upregulate, downregulate, um, a lot of stuff happens after even short-term use of SSRIs and not even long-term use. Um, I've been researching a lot about it, (laughs) but yeah, so basically your serotonin receptors can, you know, increase or decrease. And then the density of the receptors change in different parts of your brain. And that's what kind of causes those, you know, effects which the only problem like the main problem i have about it is that there was this one uh study that showed that um only one percent of people were uh recalled their doctor telling them about uh 
the possibility of withdrawal. So only 1% of people. And that's my main issue with it is just the fact that um, if you want to go on a med, you know, that's perfectly fine. But, uh, you know, are they being, are people being um, told, you know, hey, it could cause some withdrawal. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And I think that's like a big ethical and informed consent. I mean, we're telling people to get, you know, I'm not a med provider, but, you know, I refer a lot of people to take meds. And, you know, as a provider, like of any service that I'm providing as a therapist, I mean, same thing goes with a doctor, you have to have that informed consent, here are the risks and benefits, and people aren't properly informed of the risk. And maybe you could attest to this, but only a small percentage of people actually take their meds as prescribed. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like a, any other habit. It's like if I told you to floss every day, you know, only so many people do that. And so they don't realize, you know, it's like I've done that. I forget to take my meds for a few days. And I'm like, oh, my God, I feel crappy. What? Oh, I forgot to take them. And people don't know what's going on. Um, and they start to feel horrible. And, you know, because not everyone, let's say, quote, responsibly, you know, that. They say, okay, I don't like the side effects of this med. Oh, I think I'm doing better. And then they just stop taking it. Then they're like, whoa. And they don't understand what's going on. And they don't understand, you know, too, they, for all they know, this could last forever. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I for sure, for sure. <laughs> and that's, that's where, her name is Bug, Buggy. Bug. Yeah. She's a bad baby, but <laughs> that's where um, pharmacists can be a big help too, is like, um, you know, stressing those, uh, you know, medication adherence, um, possible side effects, how to take meds like with food or without food, um, just making sure the patient feels empowered. And I want people to be the master of their medications. I want them to know everything they want to know. Um, because I feel like if I was a patient, that's what I would want to know. For sure. I want to know everything. Yeah. I mean, and especially that, I mean, that's huge. I mean, what being in withdrawal is could be a nightmare. Um, and yeah. I and it, I mean, I would venture that it is more common than not if you are on a psych med, like an SSRI, SNR, whatever, for a long period of time, that you're gonna have some rebound effects if not be within like full withdrawal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even other meds too, like even um, antipsychotics can cause withdrawal. Any like really any of the psych meds, Motrogen, yeah. all the different compounds. I mean, because you, you know, and essentially, I mean, that may be a good sign in the fact that you like if it's working, if it's actually doing something for you. When you get off of it, it is no longer doing that thing. And your brain's like, yeah. whoa, where's my, where's my little helper here? And then the withdrawals, like your brain's like overwhelmed of like, whoa, I'm not used to, I haven't had to do this for a while. Um, yeah. And then it has to readjust without that assistance. And then it throws yeah. off your brain and, you know, you feel it in your body. Um, substances, you know, like something like an opiate, right? You don't think of it as being something to regulate your temperature, but it does. Right. So then when people get off of it, they're hot, they're cold and they're like, what that what the hell is going on? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Especially with the brain, um, you know, they have all, all the circuits, like all the brain circuits overlap. And um, right now in psych, a lot of the meds are 
thought to work on, you know, one system, like the dopamine system in the mesolimbic yep. pathway, when really, um, you know, those neurons innervate other neurons. So in many other neurons downstream. So um, they have a lot more effects than just like what we're kind of seeing them as like currently. I mean, of course, you know, there's research and stuff, but, you know, they have downstream effects. For example, um, you know, serotonin can be activating, right? So serotonin is activating. But if it works on a GABA neuron, you know, a GABA neuron is inhibitory. So we got this activating serotonin neuron working on an inhibitory GABA neuron, which would increase dopamine down the line because nothing's putting the brakes on the dopamine and increases norepinephrine down the line because nothing's putting the brakes on norepinephrine because the serotonin is activating the GABA neuron, which inhibits it. You see what I mean? So it's like very, very uh, complex. Yeah. Yeah, it is very complex. And I, as you said, I wonder, like, would your average doctor be able to tell me that? What um, you just told me. If I like, if we um, quiz them. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Like a medical doctor? Like that's just like a like physician, a, like a family doctor? Psychiatrist, NP. Med, like um, a, okay. A psychiatrist. Like, I believe like a lot of the doctors in my hospital, uh, you know, we know, we talk about this stuff a lot. So I feel like they would be able to tell me that. that. Yeah. But like, I don't know too much about like, you know, a medical doctor. I don't know if they would be able to tell you that. Um, Just like, you know, because they're mostly focused. Yeah. yeah, They're focused on other stuff. So like, you know, yeah, like blood pressure and all the other stuff they do. They do so much stuff, you know. So they're focused on all of that more than like the very specific details. I was just more curious (laughs) of the people who usually prescribe them, you know, know to that detail, like what you, you know, three steps ahead. I mean, I know they have to, you know, obviously know a ton about it, but I mean, you know, you start to get really complicated and again, everyone reacts so differently to different medications. Um, But I, you know, to shift a little bit, why, why are meds so important or do you think meds are like super important as part of the care of somebody getting mental health services? Yeah. You know, um, I think meds, um, should be, you know, last line, um, to lifestyle, you know, like let's work on lifestyle. I think meds are a tool. Um, yeah. So I think meds are really a tool. So like, say you come in and you have like a acute, like, you know, severe depressive episode, let's put you, you know, let's, we could do, we could give you a med and while you're taking this med and you're starting to feel better, maybe you could use this time, um, to like start working on your lifestyle. So you exercise, you do things that make you happy, you know, go outside, whatever makes you happy, um, get in routines, get enough sleep, use the med as a tool. And then, um, hopefully we can like start thinking about maybe coming home with the med when you get your habits down, um, stuff like that. If if you want, like if the, you know, it's all individual. So if that's what the patient wants to do, you know, great. Um, yeah. So I think meds are really a tool, uh, to help us, um, while we, you know, adjust our lifestyle, eat healthier, all that, you know, <laughs> they don't yeah. have to be long-term, you know? Yeah. And, you know, in my experience, um, yeah, yeah well, there's so much we can get into, but I think there's a lot of stigma and misconceptions around meds and, you know, a lot of general attitudes of, um, you know, it's not natural and we should try everything first. And 
the way I look at it, I, you know, I have, let's say I have a therapy client for the, you know, first time I'm seeing them, maybe they haven't really had much therapy. They're experiencing depression, anxiety, right? Most commonly or other disorders, right? And so let's just say your average depression, anxiety, stress kind of person comes in, you know, as part of the treatment plan as a therapist, you know, I'll diagnose and, you know, if it's their first time trying anything, I'll say, all right, hey, here's part of our treatment plan. We're going to look at some of the lifestyle changes. We're going to remove some of the stressors, you know, maybe work on some of your relationships, um, you know, process your emotions, trauma. And look, and if that's still, you know, and after a few months, if you're still struggling, you know, maybe meds could be a good tool, you know, like a helper for me is the therapist to kick them into a better, um, you know, mindset or brain cycle. Um, you know, and I tell folks, you don't have to be on meds forever. You know, sometimes it can be like training wheels, at least that's how I look at it. And then, then responsibly titrate off of them, um, with your doctor. If they want. Yeah. If they want. Yeah. If they're comfortable with that. People don't always know what they want, you know, because they're not informed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, do, do I want that? What, what am I, what do I get? You know, what, what are the benefits of meds? And so I think, I think it's really important as therapists is often we're the first line and we're the ones who are referring. And in and, and my experience, therapists, your average therapist doesn't know a ton about meds and they don't teach us that in school. And I think it is crucial that we know about meds. I mean, usually we learn, we learn through experience and we probably take a psycho farm class here or there, right? But um, I think it's really crucial because we're often the ones referring people for meds. Yeah, yeah, right, right. For sure, for sure. Same thing with doctors though. I feel like a lot of their, their like med knowledge is through experience. <laughs> versus through school. <laughs> <That's scary. laughs> I think that's you do, but especially for a psychiatrist, because that's your primary duty, right? Is the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> what are they learning? Like, all right, here's how to do CPR. It's like, okay, well, that's good. But um, we'll see. Yeah. It, like I went to, in my pharmacy school, we also had a med school. So we got to like go to a lot of classes with, with them. And yeah, I saw, uh, they, we learn, you know, everything about meds inside and out, every little thing on every little structure, we know what it does, every little enzyme it reacts with, we know that, um, but I, I feel like uh, doctors are more, you know, they spend two years in school, and then, um, and then they go on rotations where they learn a lot of things, sure. you know, on the job, and like, yeah, on rotations, and then they go into residencies that last a long time. Yeah, I mean, they're depending. Well yeah. You know, it, yeah, it just, well, and sometimes it's interesting as a therapist, right, who's not well trained in these things. That's why it's so important to know because, you know, they're going to go see their psychiatrist, get put on a med, and maybe, you know, a good psychiatrist will have them follow up. All right, come see me in two weeks. Let's see how it's going. See you in four. But then after that, it's like six months. And, yeah. but I'm seeing them almost every week. And it's like, I need to know this stuff because sometimes, you know, getting on, let's say a new SSRI, I mean, some people have really bad reactions and has like the opposite effect where they become really depressed or suicidal and, you know, but then, but they, they don't realize it's the meds. 
And you're like, oh no, my life is horrible and things are always going to be terrible and I want to end it. You know, it's just completely different from how they normally feel, but they don't realize that this is just a bad medication interaction. And then we have to, it's important for therapists to kind of, you know, be like a backup and catch those that a psychiatrist may not. I mean, the responsible, you know, a psychiatrist would say, hey, if you're feeling any of these symptoms, right, give me a call. But maybe that doesn't happen all the time. Just like with the med withdrawals, maybe the informed consent isn't always there among every provider. What's your experience with that? Um, well, like psych NPs, I love them. I love those people so much. They call me all the time. And, um, yeah, and they always ask questions. Um, as for like outpatient people calling me, like, it seems like you do a lot of like outpatient, like, you know, one-on-ones, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you also worked in hospitals before. Yeah. Those, I don't really get calls from that, but in the hospital, like, you know, I have nurse practitioners call me all the time, ask questions, um, oh, stuff like that. Or are huh. just like, I know it all. So I don't need to, I don't want to ask it for help. No, no, they, they're great too. They call all the time. Like, they, oh my God. I feel like so many people on TikTok like to say something, <laughs> like they like to comment on my voice. Okay. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, you know, you have an accent or they'll be like, oh, you sound tired. And it's like, I was just on the phone all day long <laughs> talking. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, in what ways, you know, as a pharmacist integral in that care process, like, are you, it sounds like you do a lot of like education with some of the med providers. Um, You know, you have this like more deep, intricate knowledge, like specifically geared towards meds. I mean, are do you ever have, how often does it happen? You know, maybe not at your work or just in general, we don't need to call out your place of employment, but you know, where like a doctor maybe prescribes something and then it goes through you, right? And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. There's an interaction here with this medication that is counterindicated and we need to, uh, you have to kind of put a check on that. Um, all, every day. <laughs> How often? Every day. <laughs> um yeah every single day <laughs> pretty much multiple times per like, day yeah, I'm gonna throw them on this and you're like uh no they could die so we may do you call them well, be like, hey, we don't want to kill this patient they're like oh sorry well okay kill like I I don't like to go that you're not kill but put them at risk yeah. of harm in some way shape yeah or for for some undesirable, you know, side effect. Um, yeah, that happens every day. Um, but, you know, doctors are, you know, they're really receptive and they, you know, they value that. They're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, thanks for seeing that. Um, especially when you got two different doctors at the same time, like a medical doctor and a psychiatrist, sure. you know, you got two different of them. So they don't always, you know, uh, like say they say they both put in an order at the same time or something. You know what I'm saying? So that's why a pharmacist is like super important. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. (laughs) Um, There's so many things too. like, even at the rate of certain titrations, like if you titrate up, you know, resveratrol too fast, um, it can kind of act like a first generation antipsychotic um, versus second gen. You know what I'm saying? So like if you titrate up too fast or too slow, different, you know, you get different effects. Um, meds at different doses, 
you know, can do different things, you know. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we're really, you know, it's like our part is to <laughs> to to help out in that way. Um, you know, and this happened to a friend pretty recently. I mean, she was on, and I think that goes to the like physical, you know, more you know, physician, physical, you know, physician, but physical health, mental health doc, where there's not always the communication, you know, or, you know, I got a a friend who was on a certain medication for physical health, let's say, and then she got her med adjusted, or it could have been the opposite way. She was on a psych med, and then the doctor put her on this, or it was one or the other, but then she got like serotonin syndrome and wound up in the hospital. And then later found out like, no, that was a big no-no. Like, that doctor should not have put me on that. It's not like hidden knowledge. This is a known interaction. And she wound up in the hospital. Oh, wow. That super sucks. That super sucks. That's really too bad. But that's not uncommon, is it? I mean, it seems like, you know, from what you're saying, like, cause maybe not everyone has the stopgap of a pharmacist. So should the pharmacist have picked up on that? Like who's, um, who's to blame? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Who's to blame? Well, they they were outpatient, right? Outpatient. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know honestly. <laughs> I'm not sure who's to blame, but like, you know, um, I've never seen serotonin syndrome actually. You know, like, luckily, right. uh, I've never actually seen it. Um, in you know my practice, but as for like an outpatient setting, you know, there's many you know, it's different. Like, so for example, in my hospital, you know, you spend a lot more time uh, being able to look at med therapies, optimize them, make sure there's no interactions, look at labs, make sure the med is right for the patient, you know, hundred percent, you know, you know, so we have more time per, you know, script or per order or whatever. But um, like, if you're talking about like at a Walgreens or something, you know, it's kind of a different, they have like, you know, it's kind of different in that kind of scenario. Um, Are they double checking? Is that like what a pharmacist they say, okay, hey, um, you know, this client just got an order and then do they know? I mean, they know the other meds they're on, maybe it's in the system. Yeah, that too, that too, polypharmacy, or they could be filling in other places, you know? Yeah. And are there like alerts that come up? Like probably nowadays with technology right if if it's known a client like at Walgreens even if they know a client is on this and then all of a sudden another prescriber this comes into the system like whoa these two things are alerts the alerts that come up are useless um yeah there are a thousand alerts they will flag everything so um yeah they're pretty much useless uh you really got to use your own brain there uh because if you just relied on alerts like i mean maybe some hospitals are more or like some other things are more sophisticated like um but yeah if basically it's universal that all the alerts are pretty useless they flag everything they flag everything (laughs) yeah okay it's a little sensitive same thing with serotonin syndrome like for example um stop you real quick someone is actually asking me here can you explain what serotonin syndrome is one of our followers so it's it's basically um it's really unpleasant it's very unpleasant you know um it, it could have a lot of symptoms like you know 
rash, itchiness, um, chills, uh, fever, even it's, um, you know, it's, it's caused from, you know, all these meds that interact with or increase serotonin. And usually it's not a concern if, uh, you know, they're on one or two, but when you start adding, adding them on, you know, it can kind of get more, um, it can kind of get more serious. So how many, I don't know if you know this number, it's kind of a crazy question. How many medication pharmaceuticals can a doctor prescribe? Well, I mean, and I mean like literally, like how many medications do we have? Like, do you know that number? No, <laughs> like the total number of medications? Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> Let's say it's 10,000. Is that a fair okay? That maybe that's a little high. Is that um, may, um, like different I don't know. That, phar- <laughs> that pharmaceutical companies make for you know? I can let me see if I can look it up because now I'm actually curious. <laughs> so okay, let's just say it's five thousand. You know that, but if you pool every pharmaceutical company and the drugs that they produce. That a, that a physician somewhere in the world can prescribe, let's say it's 5,000, right? 20,000. 20, there's oh, over, okay. there's there are over 20,000 prescription drug products approved for marketing. So I wasn't, I wasn't horribly off at 10. I mean, it was 50%, right. but you know, you know, it could be. Yeah, you were close. You were very close. I'd say I'll pat myself on the back on that one. But so, <laughs> so 20,000. Yeah, a lot of it. That's a lot of interactions. And not only could that be two drugs, what if there's three drugs? It's like, all right, you combine these four and it's dangerous. How the hell? How the hell do you keep track of that in your head? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, okay, hard like, pressing questions here. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, a lot of meds are. Um, like meds that are part of similar classes and, you know, they will kind of do similar things. So, you know, you know, there's different pearls and every med is different, but, um, you can kind of almost like guess at a certain point and be right. Like (laughs) about it, like, if you think, like, if you get spidey senses, you know, like, um, spidey senses, uh, and they go off, you're probably right. And there might be an interaction there. I personally, I don't know if a lot of other pharmacists do, but I look at structures. So I like to, I can tell by looking at different structures. So if I don't, if some random med comes in that I don't know what it is, I'll look at the structure and be like, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if other people do that though. I guess I'm very visual. I just, I just can't wrap my head around like, you know, with so many drugs and interactions and possible side effects, like how to, how does one provider, I mean, maybe you have a database that you could look up and you got Google. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have to like, there's Lexicomp and Micromedics and there's these, there's databases that help a lot too as well. Yeah. And also I like to look at the package inserts and stuff like that. You could look at package inserts. You could do research online, read some studies, you know? Okay. One of my yeah. followers here said, I don't know, maybe you've heard of this. I was told I have ophthymia, three separate points in life. It's a high level of serotonin and oxytocin. Have you heard of it? Okay. That? Maybe not. Ophthymia? 
Yeah, I don't know. I was just curious. And one of our followers said that. Uh, opthymia. It's high levels of serotonin and. No, that's what she said. Yeah, and oxytocin. She must be. You must be like really. Are you like always happy and in love? <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish I had those high levels. It's like, yeah, life's great, man. I don't know what everyone's <laughs> complaining about. <laughs> Yeah, here I'm looking at uh Miss Clumps. Miss Clump, are you happy and in love all the time? Is like what <laughs> how does one know that they have that? <laughs> Ophthalmia. Ophthalmia neo Ophthalmia? No, it's okay. We can move on. I was just I don't know, she said it's like O P T H Y M I A. Um, oh, pretty much happy and in love all the time. That's what you said. So, well, right, we can move on. But yeah, I was just curious. And so, for everyone who's just joining, we have Haley, your psych pharmacist. Many of you know her from TikTok. And if you don't, you need to follow her. Uh, she is a specialist, if not expert, in psych meds. And like I said, oh, before, wow. Um, Thank you. Wow. But no, seriously, like. Uh, you know, who else? I mean, there's very few people who have us in pharmacy who have that specialty. Um, you know, for you, you work at a, at a, in a location that pretty much solely deals with it. So you have the ability to focus on it and have the interest, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, yeah. So everyone go follow. And so if you have questions about meds and I saw some from before, feel free to post it in and we'll ask a little bit later. Um, so yeah, her username is your dot psych dot pharmacist. People are wanting to know. So you think I should change that username? No, I like it. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I mean, I, I want to I, I change my profile, huh? You want to change your profile picture or something? I think it's so bad. Like I put it ironically because it's like a picture of me with sunglasses. And I, it was supposed to be ironic, like a 2000s picture, like from the year 2000, you know, like in the okay. 2000s, like 2008 MySpace picture. Yeah. And, but now I'm like, I don't think people know that's ironic. <laughs> you just think that's <laughs> then it was some- I mean, you, I feel like you have to have them with your patented look, with the glasses, with the microphone, the headphone microphone hanging down. I mean, like that's, that's you. Yeah. But it was sunglasses and they were like pink, they're like pink sunglasses. And it's like, oh, it was like a, you know, from like a, this kind of, you know, angle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got to change that. Maybe we need a little rebranding now that you're growing your account here. Um, <laughs> so let's see what else. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about like med stigmas. Like why, why are, why do you think folks are hesitant? What are some misconceptions about meds? probably the name, like certain like antipsychotics. Like I hate that name. I hate that they're called that. I wish they were called something else. That's a good I don't point. know what. Yeah. Right? Well, and they're prescribed for other things too. And I think people get that really confused because a lot of people take antipsychotics and they don't have psychosis, right? They may take it for sleep, um, you know, or something like, a, I think a Abilify, you know, they use this maybe enhance another med for depression. And then people think, oh, they're on an antipsychotic. Oh, uh, maybe I should... Yeah, yeah right maybe yeah sorry. which sucks um that super sucks because you're right they are like they can use 
be used to augment depression. Um, some of them are used off labeling for sleep, like Seroquel. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I hate the name. I, I we should think of a different name. I heard that they were trying what to change it do? for a while. <laughs> um, maybe call them chill pills or. I like that. I mean, I like that better than antipsychotics. Like I go take my chill pills. Sounds a little better than antipsychotics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your chill pills, you know. (laughs) Pro reality. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, that stigma. It's I want. I I hope. I hope we can end it at some point. Like eventually, the the stigma goes away. Yeah. Like what what other stigmas are so like someone said here like oh they changed their personality uh or they changed oh. their personality like you know so what are some of the worries clients have due to the stigmas about getting on these meds yeah there's definitely that one um but uh like i said before um we could just use meds as like a tool um you know to you know get somebody on track if we can if it's like indicated um, as for like changing, you know, personality, um, you know, most of the side effects are usually like mild, um, like, you know, sedation could be one. And a lot of patients do say that the side effects are worth it. Um, like the side effects of insomnia is worth having a better, you know, quality of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all that stuff has to be, you know, it's all individualized, hundred percent. You know what the patient's comfortable with. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's the hard part. Like we were saying at the beginning, is it is so individual, and everyone right. reacts to meds completely different. And you know, we can't paint a broad brush, but there are some commonalities. Um, you know, like for example, like with some of the SSRIs, right? They're kind of notorious for having some sexual side effects, I think for men and women. Um, and I always like joked, I'm trying to incorporate this into a TikTok where like, like certain antidepressants, they put you in this weird precarious position of, do I want to be happy? Or do I want to have sex? And it's not always an easy, it's not an easy answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you can use certain other meds to like help with that. Okay, so yeah, like the, the the blue pill. Yeah, you could do a little blue pill action. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a lot of the reason, right? In, in my experience and working with clients, and the antipsychotics is a big one because sometimes the meds that people most need are the ones that have some of the hardest side effects. So, like, you know, I when I look at different disorders, um, and again, it's different for everybody. Because some someone may not have a reasonable chance of uh, pulling out a depression or having like a normal level of functioning without meds. Now, someone else with depression, you know, they change up their relationships, their work, they process some trauma, and they're feeling better. They don't really need the meds, right? So certain disorders are maybe more heavy on the therapy, you know, and even with depression, right? There's like probably hundreds, thousands of different types of depression that all express in the same way. And maybe some are more you need meds um, are more integral for that individuals. Like, you know, it's like a fingerprint. We all have fingerprints. Some look similar, but like everyone's is completely, no one has experiences, depression, anxiety, whatever, in the exact same way, but certain disorders in general may 
like for so an example, one that may be more med, med heavy would be like schizophrenia. Like there's only so much I could do as a therapist. However, it it's definitely a benefit for people to have therapy, see a psychologist, whatever, if you have schizophrenia, but not much I could do if the psychosis or if you have bipolar with psychosis, like bipolar one, um, you know, we got to get the meds stabilized that, you know, as a foundation, then we could do that kind of work. Yeah, um, for sure. But then, so let's say someone who has schizophrenia, uh, someone who has bipolar one, the meds that they have to be on are often some of the ones that have the most side effects. Um, you know, like weight, like, like, let's say like Risperdone or something like, you know, like Seroquel, you know, big time with weight gain, uh, makes you tired. It, like they really zonk you out for some people. Yeah. Right. I mean, eventually you get yeah. used to it more, but it's a quality of life. When I mean, you, you mentioned that it's a, like, would I rather be in active psychosis or tired? But that's not always easy because you're like, I'm kind of sick of like sleeping 14 hours a day and being 50 pounds heavier. And it's tempting to get off and take your chances. Yeah, for sure. Which is, you know, that's really hard. Um, you know, that's really hard for anybody, you know, but there are things like the long actings. I don't know if you work with those or you see those much, the long actings. Those I've, those help, those help a lot with those, like, you know, having to worry about taking med every day. Um, Are you talking yeah, about like, the shots? Like, and I was going to ask you that about that too. Like, what are we, like, what's the newest and greatest technology? And that's what I'm seeing a lot of folks going for, like on my end in the addiction, like, let's say for something like Suboxone, which is an opiate um, replacement medication, right? For opiate cravings, you know, instead of you know, like, cause some people could potentially abuse them and there's a, like worries about that. Um, but if you give some, someone something that's very long acting, there's less abuse potential, but then you also don't have to remember to take it as much. And like, if the same thing, if you're schizophrenic and you get a shot and it lasts for, I don't know, was it like a month, two months, three months? I mean, I, some of them are one month. You get it monthly. Some of them are every three months. One of them, the brand newest one, is an Invega, and it is Invega Halfia, Halfia, and guess what that means? Half year, so it's Halfia. So it's so you get it every six months, and this one's not out yet, but it's a it's like brand new. It's, it's the newest one. That's unbelievable, and I mean, I think that's that's a I think that's a game changer. A lot of these, I think, are going to be game changers for people, um, like a, any kind of long lasting long acting med and it takes the human error out of it. And we said before, like, I don't know if I saw the statistic where it's like, let's say a doctor prescribes you a med. I don't know if it's different with a psych med, but it's like something like 30% of people actually take it as prescribed. I don't know how, what the room for error of that measurement is, but it doesn't surprise me. Is that, yeah. is that right? Or am I just making this up? I mean, I think it, I mean, that's right. Like there, I don't know hundred percent that exact number, but, um, yeah. So adherence okay. to your bed is, um, a, it's rough. Um, but you know, nowadays, you know, there's more, you know, different formulations that can, you know, that's what a pharmacist really does too. Like, for example, that's one of the things I do in, at work. I always, you know, try to find the best like formulation for a patient, so like whether that's taking the med down from three times a day to twice a day or to once a day or once a week, you know, 
um, depending on their lifestyle, how busy they are, you know, you know, that's really where pharmacists can help is like helping people with adherence strategies. Um, lots of patients are good with adherence though. Lots of patients um, take their meds every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to take a few, you know, beatings from life, you know, after, you know, when because a lot of clients, you know, they'll tell me on here, we're talking about withdrawals, which is, I think, one of the most, you know, I, some of my videos on withdrawals get more views than anything else. And I think it, it really applies to a wider audience or people are just more interested in it. Um, but they'll, you know, they'll stop taking their effects or, you know, notorious one, and they'll miss a couple doses. And they're like, Oh, my God, they had no idea that was a possibility. Well, then they learn pretty quick, I need to take it every day. Now, the scary thing is then they're like, Oh, because of this, I should get off of it. So like when I did that video, and I, you know, talked a little shit on effects or, and I, and I did put the, I put the disclaimer, like, this is an effective med for many people. And, and, and I, if a client said, Hey, should I get on it? I would be like, yeah, it's worth a try. It's very effective for many people. However, you just need to know, right, that informed consent that you need to be extra careful on this one not to miss a dose. And if you want to get off of it, you should do this with any med, but you especially should not take matters into your own hands and do a slow titration with your doctor. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, that's exactly right. That's really good advice. Um, try, you know, definitely um, talk to your doctor. It's it's great to have open communication. So that's really good. That uh, like I feel like that's a really responsible thing to ha- to like tell patients is to have you know good communication um, about it. Like if they're feeling anything, they don't want to take it anymore. You know, talk. You know, let, let's have a conversation. Um, you might be able to fix that. Yeah, and you know, so you know, fix the problem. Yeah withdrawal but then you know some folks you know like i got a friend who has thought disorder right who has schizoaffective and he'll go many years right and he'll be doing well and then you know decide to smoke a little weed again um deciding you know, hey things are going well maybe i should get off my meds and then his life falls apart you know, or even just let's say someone who's like doing well on antidepressants and they're like, oh, I'm good. Therefore I should get off. But maybe that's one of the reasons why you're doing really well. Not that some people can't get off after they have new coping skills or in a new situation and they, you know, are able to get off meds and it just help them for that period. But that's kind of a saying of like, sometimes people need to learn the hard way, take a few knocks on the head by not using them correctly or getting off too quickly that, you know, like the, maybe the patient's, you know, probably have a little more experience in the psych hospital, right? They've maybe been in the system a little bit more. And so they know, um, yeah, I need to take this if I you know, I want that quality of life. Or maybe they're in the psych hospital because, I mean, how many, how many of the patients in the psych hospital are ones that they're there because they stopped taking their meds? Probably yeah. 10% or they didn't take them properly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with antipsychotics, like that's a problem if you stop taking them like abruptly, it's you know, because they're dopamine antagonists. So when you stop having that antagonist, you know, stopping the dopamine, your dopamine can go up pretty high. So that's that's where that comes in. Um yeah. What's a what's a general overview of like the common meds types and how or why they work? And I mean, and, and folks, you, you know, you need to go check out her videos if you want to do the 
500 level class, but uh, I feel like all your videos are like not that they're not that advanced though. They are. I mean, I mean it's cool. Like, I mean, I have to pay attention. I, mean, I know about this stuff. I I gotta pay attention to your videos. I'm like, all right, the agonist of this receptor. It's uh, yeah. That's what that's the thing. Lots of people try to ask me to explain something that's very complex, and I'm like, oh, how am I gonna do that? Do Look, remember what I was telling you earlier? What? <laughs> Like, remember when I was telling you earlier, I'm like, all right, so, like, if a serotonin neuron acts on a GABA neuron, that's going to, you know, decrease all this stuff downstream and versus increase, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you really go into that. And I think you, you know, you take an extremely complicated concept and you're able to, you know, you got your little diagrams and, you know. Yeah, stuff. make those on Canva. Oh, you do? Oh, you make those. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I don't want to get in trouble for copyright. It's not worth. TikTok, and we'll notice this, but I'm just going Yeah, that's that's super. That's all the more impressive. That's awesome. You know, you got that computer knowledge. You said earlier, you're so you can make a little document on Canva. That's super impressive. Um, but oh, yeah, thanks. so what are you know what are you know for folks who are needing the 100 level now? What are you know, maybe someone who they're not on any medications, they have been hesitant, they're newer into therapy or mental health services. Like what are some of the different major classes of meds and they're um so in general for like in total in general. So like for depression. Like, most, like what are the few like yeah, most common meds for mental health and why do we give those out? What do they do for you? So a lot of doctors have their favorites, like you were talking about before, um, depending on, you know, whatever's going on. Uh, some meds, like, let's say Luvox, which I want to make a video about soon, because that med is, is kind of cool. Luvox. Yeah, Fluox, flu, Fluvoxamine. Fluoxetine? Luvox? It's different than Fluoxetine. It's different. It's not, it's not Prozac. It's okay. Luvox. It's for, it's specifically indicated for OCD, but... It has like, yeah. That's good to know that. So Luvox is for OCD because people ask me that. What can I take for OCD? And I'm like, oh. it's the only one that's indicated for OCD. It's Luvox, L-U-V-O-X. Yeah. Shit, this is, this is good info for me too. So I'm saying I learn a lot from you. Um, someone actually asked um, me that the other day. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, like an antidepressant maybe to help with the anxiety, but I didn't. I didn't really realize there was like an OCD specific. You know, and people ask that, like, well, what about for borderline personality disorder? What's the med for that? I'm like, well, there's, I don't know, maybe, you know, like, but traditionally, no, there's nothing like specific for that in just the nature of that disorder. It's like, again, you could treat, you know, like for PTSD, treat the depressive anxiety symptoms that come from it. Um, the nightmares, you could, you know, there's some medications for that, but um, that's really interesting that we're getting more precise. Right, right, exactly. Like, just yeah, you get more precise. Um, and yeah, and not all drugs have like a specific, like special thing, like you know, Luvox. Like, you know, not all drugs are like that. Like you're saying, like, what's the most common thing for, you know, BPD? Well, you know, there's not really one. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's chill pill, different kind of chill pill. Yeah, different kind of chill pill. <laughs> 
Um, what else? Okay, so there's there's the SSRIs, um, there's Prozac, uh, Paxil, um, there are SSRIs, Lexapro, so the Lexapro. They're all a SSRIs. Lot the, a lot of the meds that are prescribed in general, uh, they're prescribed for you know clinical experience and from the prescriber, and also what has the patient tried before? So what have they tried before? You know what I mean? Um, what is kind of worked for them? What didn't work for them? Um, you know, what side effects did they get from a med that they can't live with? And then you go from there. That's kind of how it is in psych. Like it's more of an art, you know, obviously, you know, um, art is, uh, psych is more of an art than a science. So a lot of the stuff has to do with other, you know, conditions they've had and what they've tried and what we can try now. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's how like that works, like with chosen meds. Um, yeah, um, I guess. Okay, what else there is? Um, you know, and let me pause. So, like the SSRIs, right? Those are common for depression, but they also help with anxiety, right? The SSRIs, yeah. probably the most common reason those are given out. Um, and sounds like those, you know, SS selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, um, yeah. so they work on your serotonin system, um, which is associated with feeling good, happy, like what, what else is like, what is, because they're, they each kind of target a different chemical and they, they like either try to increase a chemical or decrease it. And then each med maybe increases it in a different way. Like it helps produce more, some blocks the way your brain gets rid of it. So you keeps it and it kind of holds on to more. Right. So like what, like an SSRI, what is like, what, what's the significance of serotonin? So serotonin is actually involved in everything. So there's 12 known, known serotonin receptors right now. Um, and we don't even know what all of them do. And certain SSRIs interact with certain receptors. And if the receptor is presynaptic, postsynaptic, somatodendritic, then it's going to do different things. And, you know, some serotonin receptors are, you know, more densely populated in other parts of your brain versus, you know, what, you know what I'm saying? So serotonin is literally involved in everything. Um, it, it's involved in so many things like guts, like there's serotonin receptors in your periphery, in your central nervous system, um, is literally involved in a lot, <laughs> a lot of stuff. So we have that, we have, you know, then you have kind of the SNRIs, which is serotonin and norepinephrine. We're talking about effects or, and like something like Pristique, um, and those seem to not, I mean, would you say those aren't always like the first line of defense? Like sometimes, you know, they'll try the SSRI and then kind of go to the SNRIs, which are a little fancier or whatever. Um, would you say that's usually the case? They'll tr maybe, maybe something like effects or they'd start, but what is the deal with SNRIs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that's like somewhat how it goes. So, I mean, I guess it's always patient specific. So, what, what yeah. Would why would a doctor prescribe an SNRI versus an SSRI? Um, you know, maybe, um, you know, they, maybe they like them better. Maybe they find more, they find that SNRIs are, you know, more effective for whatever they have, you know, like, you know, depression, anxiety. Um, 
they tend to be better. They're better. They're usually better tolerated. They have, you know, a different set of side effects. So like, for example, SNRIs, because they're noradrenergic, they can be kind of activating. Um, norepinephrine provides some sort of like motivational feelings to get up and go like dopamine. So yeah. So I guess, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I I like, what is norepinephrine they, actually, you know, like what's the difference between that and, you know, like serotonin, I mean, like we, I don't even know the difference, you know, like Oh. I know what serotonin does with norepinephrine. You know, there's, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's GABA. Yeah. Like a lot of the main, you know, it's like, because I know like from like addiction, like world, like something like cocaine, meth, those really act on your serotonin receptors, right? To get that activating. Um, you know, then I know, yeah, opiates and your opioid receptors and uh, alcohol, GABA, um, cigarettes, nicotine, acetylcholine, right? Kind of all these, that's what like, like in my addictive world, it's like all these have in common, are they uh, cause of a, a release of reward chemical um, because these other effects are rewarding for survival or whatever our body likes the effect, uh, gives yeah. us survival hit, but then we like the after effects of like, ooh, I feel up and this and happy and um, oh, or this one, it calms me down and relaxes my body, right? So it's like these drugs of abuse work on them, but like meds in a more subtle way will do that where it's not intoxicating. It's not, um, you know, that's like maybe the difference why they're not addictive. You still get the dependence because you get a slow release of n neurochemicals, right? Um, but you're not getting that dopamine. You're not hitting that reward switch where the mouse is going to keep hitting it till it dies instead of eating um, in a more controlled and safe way. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. That's accurate. Um, also with that kind of stuff, like if you're talking about like, um, you know, like meth or something, I don't know. If we could say what we could say on TikTok, you know, but um it also depends on the rate at which a drug or med is absorbed. So, you know, um, that's what different formulations can help with, uh, is the slower rate of absorption isn't going to cause that huge like spike of release of whatever, like happy, uh, so, you know, neurotransmitter that you're thinking of. So you're right. Like, yeah, hundred percent meds can, you know, provide you that, um, slow, increase and it's more controlled versus you know um, a lot of people are yeah. self-medicating that's why i mean so many people who use substances have kind of co-occurring mental health and it's often that they're self-medicating you know like i'm sure what you i mean what percentage you know to say an exact number but i mean if i had to guess probably at least 50 percent, probably of the patients at your hospital on a locked psych unit have some kind of co-occurring disorder, whether it's full-on addiction or substance abuse, would you say that's roughly accurate? Just uh fifty percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I worked more in an adolescent. I mean, I worked in psych. I worked on a locked adolescent unit. That was actually more uh, specialized in dual disorder. So pretty much everyone on my unit did. But then I'd go and I'd work on some of the other units, pick up shifts. You know, and it, it's, you know, it's like at med time, you know, all the ones that are on like a benzo, it's like, you know, they're at the desk at nine o'clock sharp, you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe it's in their chart, they haven't, but you know, it's like, 
it's very, I mean, it's very common. You know, it's like someone with schizophrenia, like cannabis is very common and, you know, just anything. I mean, it's, it's, it's sometimes rough living with this severe disorder and oh. they're winding up at the hospital. You know, they take matters into their own hands. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's rough. It's rough. And I feel for, for people. <laughs> Um, Do you have a lot of patient interaction? That question came into my mind. Like how much of it, how often are you working one-on-one with a patient or is that not, I mean, I know like Walgreens, like, oh, have a meeting with the pharmacist in this little booth over here, you know, talk to the pharmacist, but how much of that, like in your role or other uh, pharmacy roles, are you doing direct patient care? Um, right now when the hospital's extremely busy, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit less, but usually how it goes is, uh, at least at my hospital, like the doctors will, will beg us almost to come on like rounds with them. Um, you know, cause they feel better, I guess, having like a pharmacist on rounds. So usually typically, I mean, I guess a medium amount, but, um, but yeah, but right now, you know, there's just, we just don't have the, um, staff, like we don't have the, like the manpower to be able to go on, you know, every doctor's rounds or whatever. Okay. That's, that's super interesting. Do you, um, what is, do you know, do you have like any, just like statistics off the top of your head of like, med efficacy of like something like, um, you know, patients who take antidepressants alone for depression tend to have a 25 to 60% improvement of symptoms, or do you have any of those? Yeah, it's pretty low um, with uh, like SSRS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Sure that magazine rate is pretty low. Why do we do um, it? I mean, it's low. I mean, what's what's the deal with that? Yeah, you know, um, you know, this is what we got. You know, like as for meds, like this is kind of what we got right now. Um, but yeah, the the SSRIs are like comp- when you compare them to placebo, they, they they're not that much better. So. why do it i mean because you have all the downsides but yeah maybe we just get a good placebo out of it we can't really just be sometimes like the placebo effect is very strong so sometimes when you give a patient a med you know they uh you know they think like this is going to help and and yeah, the placebo effect is strong. So they feel it. They're like, oh, this this is medicine. This is going to help me. And then it helps them. So, um, but yeah, some SSRIs, like, you know, they work better um, than others, but they're not technically more efficacious than others, but they seem to work better. Like an SNRI, because it also works, you know, increases norepinephrine. Yeah. Yeah. So what about something like a Wellbutrin, which you're well known for, the Wellbutrin Queen here. Well, Beatrice is probably my favorite, like antidepressant. Um, what? Why did you make that face? No, me too. I like it. Oh, you too? Yeah. Uh-uh. I enjoy it. Yeah, no, I know. You enjoy Yeah, I like Well Beatrice for a lot of reasons. So, for example, you know, it's 
it, it works on dopamine. So it's the, one of the only ones that do that work that have an effect on dopamine. It's, it looks like a stimulant. It's very similar to a stimulant. Um, and usually when you increase dopamine, the side effects from it are a lot better than like from an SSRI, like for example, weight gain. So, uh, dopamine, I mean, uh, bupropion alone actually helps you lose weight versus not by much, but it, it, it has an, a weight loss effect, very small, but it's still yeah. there versus SSRIs, which can cause weight gain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> you know, for like something like that, sometimes you have these secondary effects, you know, like some people with, I know it's getting prescribed more often for ADHD as well. People find benefit from Wellbutrin. Off-label. I mean, yeah, it can be used to like off-label or augment ADHD, but in my personal opinion, I don't think it would be strong enough. For somebody with ADHD, I mean, it might be, you know, everybody's different, but it's like, it's like, it's not even technically a stimulant, but it's mild. It's a mild stimulant. Sure. Yeah. I have ever just more commonly uh, off label or other clients saying that they get some benefit, you know, who are maybe you know, more reluctant to take a stimulant and oh my God, I mean, everyone's so interested in ADHD nowadays. Um, yeah. We talk about stimulants. Actually, I had, do you know, Dr. Kennedy, Patrick Kennedy? on um on tiktok no, just, i'm new here you're new, you're new kid on the block yeah i scooped you yeah. up early i got in at the ground level i got it. <laughs> um but yeah so i had him on the podcast we had an awesome episode where i mean you know he's another guy 500 level class you know really oh, and he's check. on tiktok yeah go check yeah go check him out and you should check out our podcast um that we did i mean we like I mean, this guy, you know, he was like top of his class med school, like brilliant, brilliant dude. And, um, you know, we just talked about ADHD and, you know, he is about as big a proponent for stimulants as I ever met. Um, but I mean, we went really deep into the neuroscience and the research on ADHD and you know, I learned a lot and, you know, he's helped kind of change my views too. And seeing some stuff on TikTok where I've been more, especially coming from the addiction world, a little more hesitant on um, you know, stimulants and, you know, given, you know, you know, it's, it's got the word meth in it and, um, you know, it's got similar structures to, you know, math, but, you know, he really kind of dispelled some of those myths and because you could change a structure just a little bit, he was saying, and has a completely different effect, you know, it could look like meth, but then if you take off like these little horns or I don't know what the hell you'd call it, um, that has like a very different effect, you know, that's very different. Yeah, for sure. Being just being an isomer, just being a, like a stereo isomer, like pseudoephedrine and methamphetamine, they are the same structure actually, but they have a different, well, actually there's a hydroxyl group on the pseudoephedrine. So, but other than the hydroxyl group, they're the same molecule, except they have a stereo, like an isomer. So like one bond, sticks out and the other one sticks back yeah. yeah yeah like that yeah, so <laughs> and some, that makes uh, all the difference yeah it's a 500 level class so we got some you know i want to do a little q a but i don't want to take up too much of your time i got to hop off here fairly soon someone asked this is an interesting question maybe you would know this um let's see someone asked where did it go i said a certain drug not prescribed in the U.S. Why won't they prescribe modafinil in the U.S.? 
It is prescribed in the U.S. All right. There you have it. On record, <laughs> it's prescribed in the U.S. Um, any advice to aspiring pharmacists? Good luck. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you got this. Um, if you like um, meds, that I think you got this. If you're willing to suffer in school, you got this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, advice for like, like a like a kid in like pre pharmacy school or something. Someone like, just said advice for a professional. I mean, there were some other pharmacists on here. There was someone on here who was a pharmacist in training, and who knows who's going to listen to this? So, oh, um, yeah, duh. You know, always. I guess I don't know. I get. I don't know. I don't want to be cheesy, but always just uh, think about like, the patient. Patients. Always think about the patient. Yeah. For example, if you don't want, if you're too scared to bother a doctor for some reason, do it. You know, like if your spidey senses are tingling, do it. You know, <laughs> it's for a patient. So always do it. Like, don't even like, if you're worried about like bothering anybody, do it. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's intimidating, right? Especially if you're like newer, younger, you know, whatever. And you got, you know, you're working with doctors, it could be intimidating, you know, and they're fancy doctorness and you know and you don't want to question them it's kind of that like I call like group think or peer pressure social pressure you know it's like so you know it's like if I like if like if I say all right what's three plus three someone goes six and then I go no it's not and you're like wait what are you talking about and you know I'm like confident enough right so like you start to question it you're like wait a minute it's like, I'll bet you a thousand dollars. It's not. Then you're like, and you start questioning, even though it's like, it's so obvious, right? There's this like psychological. And I think you see that sometimes, right? Like, you know, an authority figure, doctor. Um, it sounds like it's important to ask questions and, you know, know yeah. your, know your competence and don't. Yeah. Be the confidence thing is because doctors make a lot of mistakes. They do. Everybody does. Everybody yeah, makes mistakes. Exactly. Even doctors, you know, who. Yeah. Yeah. You know, knowing everything. Yeah, and confidence comes with time. Absolutely. Um, so where can people well, first of all, what what any resources you recommend for um mental health, folks interested in mental health, folks struggling with mental health, want to learn more about the any resources that you recommend to folks? Well, I guess to like a layman. Uh, so I, you know, like I read a lot of literature, which is not easy to read. Um, so yeah, that's how I mostly do it. So, okay. Okay. I guess the best thing to do, if you want to learn about your med really fast, like say you, you want a new med, just yeah. type in on Google, the meds name, and then write mechanism of action and look in the images. So then you can kind of see what's going on. Yeah. So look at the images because the images might be a little nicer to look at than like whatever the te first text comes up. Text might be, you know, two full of big words, but then an image. That's, yeah. So look at the image. I always look at the structure, uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's really good advice. Yeah. It's sometimes easier when you see it. Um, yeah. And you might remember the picture, you know, better too. So uh, what, um, where can people find you? Where do you want people to go for everything, Haley? Um, well, I'm I'm only on TikTok and Instagram. Is this, what's your handle on Insta? My handle on Instagram is your keto pharmacist. It's okay. keto because that's what I started off as. 
Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Earlier. Um, remember I told you one time about my experience with keto. Yeah. Cholesterol (laughs) to like 190. (laughs) But that'll happen. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about. Well, you eat pork rinds and like you know cheese and bacon for breakfast. Um, but that's a topic for another day. Uh, what? Okay, so. So I ask everyone, what is your end game as far as making content? Like, what do you hope to accomplish? Are you trying to grow this? Like, what, like, where do you see this going? Or what would you ideally, like, what are some of your goals? No, no idea. <laughs> no idea. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just uh, start posting a video. Yeah, why? What do, what do other people say? They have, like, a plan? Do, do people have a plan? <laughs> I don't have a plan. I don't know. I don't Should know. I have a plan? Uh, no, I think, I mean, I think just keep posting good content and I think opportunities present themselves. And I don't know. I mean, I mean, you're, again, I'm, I, I wanted, I wanted you on here for a reason. You know, I think what you're doing is a, in, extremely unique. There's no, I mean, there's plenty of therapists out there, you know, I mean, I think I have a little niche that I found, but I mean, I think for, you know, someone is knowledgeable about meds. That's not necessarily a doctor. There's not, a, I don't know. There's probably a pharmacist talk, you know, there's a TikTok for everything, but you know, I've never seen a pharmacist who specializes in mental health meds, who um, is able to educate and convey the content like you do. Um, wow. T- thanks. I'm serious. It's really nice. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not just trying to, you know, blow smoke here. I think, you know, you, you know, you, there's a lot of potential. I mean, there's a lot of good in what you do. And I mean, you're only 28 years old, you know, you're clearly sharp. I mean, I think, you know, expound this last year of whatever you've done and gain, I don't know what you have 20,000, 30,000 followers or something. And um, imagine where you'll be in a couple of years. So I think just keep making, it's my unsolicited advice, just keep making good content and see what opportunities open up. I could see a, I could see a book in your future. Um, Everybody says that. I know you have a book. I know you have a book, right? It. I'm working on it and I do give How out. How much work is it? It's a lot of work, right? I can't it remember. It is a lot, but it'll, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a ton of work, but you just do it slowly. You do a little bit every day and then all of a sudden you have a book. But, and I mean, whatever the book is you do, I mean, I'm sure it'll be... <laughs> a lot more, you know, complex and in depth, you know, I, you know, I like to, you know, hit, you know, hit the surface and, and in the content I do try to make it like as palatable as possible and, you know, educate in a fun way um, to take maybe concepts that are more complicated and make them simple, fun, easy. And, and I know that, you know, you like to, to dig deep, but I could see, you know, I, I could see it people yeah I just don't like some people some people appreciate it some people they appreciate that my like my content's a a little higher level because they feel like I'm not treating them like they're dumb because they're not and yeah so I don't like to over I don't I'll I know you're not oversimplifying it but um I would rather keep my content at at this level than over than making it too simple you know what I mean because it doesn't really, when you go too simple, it doesn't really explain it. It doesn't really answer the question. It's true. And I think a lot of us, you know, I'm like therapists, whatever. I mean, it's like, 
it engages people in therapy. You know, it's a lot of like, you know, I want to see you ride it. Symptoms of depression. Da, da, da. They, you know, they're like pointing. The little bubble comes up, and it's like, touch your therapist. You know, heal your trauma. It's like that's great. And I, you know, and I do some of that, and you know, in jokes and comedies, like half of what I do. But then, you know, sometimes they're like, all right, let's break this down and. You know, people really appreciate that when I do the more, you know, maybe I don't get as many views. Some of them do, but like really breaking down depression. Here's what the DSI, here's how we, you know, here's as therapists, here's how we diagnose this. Here's some of the signs and people do appreciate that. So, um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, what you're doing is really unique and I, I want to, I'm a fan, you know, as a fan, I want to, I want more, I want more Haley, I want more Haley content because I, you know, and I, I learned a lot. Wow! Thank you, Evan. You too. I learned a lot from your videos too, and your lives. And I love, yeah. yeah, I mean, I love having you in the lives. You're fun, a fun participant. I love hearing your perspective too. So you're like, I love it because you know, obviously, like patients talk more to you, you know, about how they're feeling and about how their meds are making them feel. And I don't always get that, you know. And it's it's really cool. It's really cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's very valuable. Respect and admiration. I love why I'm really excited to, you know, keep on this journey, uh, our TikTok paths. And yeah, I really appreciate you being on. We'll stop the recording here. But thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate you being on and pushing your comfort zone. That'll be my therapist. I know you're a little anxious, but you push your comfort zone and you did awesome. I love it. For sure. For sure. It was nice. Um, being a guest on your podcast slash YouTube slash TikTok live. (laughs) For sure. All right. Well, Haley, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Bye.